Welcome to our second episode, second season of In the Cut. Yeah, um, Stephanie and Taylor here once again. Yeah. Shout out to everyone for listening so far. And also, if you listen um, mostly, if you find out about our episodes mostly through, like, the DP's website, um, you might have missed the first one. Go back and, like, check that one out um, they... before you listen to this one because it what didn't end up being shared on there. Mm. Um, but also anyway. tune into the other DP podcasts, Bottoms on Top with Ian and John. Hey. Our Their first episode was hilarious. Very, very that good. That was popped up. Podcasts are moving in the right direction, so I'm yes. happy about that. Um, what's been good? Um, not much really. I'm still kind of injured from basketball two weeks ago, <laughs> but like, still week- very much injured. Yeah, I know. Like, it doesn't seem to be healing because I keep going out and just, like, bopping around, acting like I'm, like, fully healed, and then I just keep making it worse. So that's unfortunate. Um, But it's also, like, we, every time you're, like, (laughs) I'm going out to this party with you guys, we're, like, don't. (laughs) And then you're just there. And then you're just up in the club. Firstly, it's senior spring. It's Feb Club. Like, what am I going to be cooped up in the house all weekend? Like... That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> Let me I, live my life. There needs to be a middle ground, but um, um, yeah. So Feb Club's been like pretty dope, pretty popped off. Um, we had a there was a Black Feb Club, party unofficial also. like Black Feb. Yeah, Club. it was a like house party type thing. Yeah. Um, a shout out to Tony, Sandra, Latifah, all those people. Um, and yeah, so I didn't expect it to actually be like. More off. than just like people we usually see, like it was actually Feb Clubby. Like there yeah. were a lot of different people around. It just seems like we are very like cohesive, like one grade or one class, like just having a lot of fun. And Sandra and Tommy reached out to us. They were like, "Yo, Tay, stuff. Like we want you to do a set at the at the party." We were like, "Ah, oh, like I don't know." Then we like got really into it, started practicing. Like Taylor got a board from someone, and like two hours before the the party, we were like coming up with a set list, like working on transitions. Like really stressed. We, we were stressed, <laughs> but we were like, "This is gonna be so lit!" Like so excited. Like working on these transitions. Right. We we're like, "Hey, it's like dope." So we get there. And Julius, who was the other DJ, he has a board, but it wasn't, like, compatible with Taylor's computer. So we are like, damn, like, all that hard work and none of our music's going to be played. But Julius, like, has a really great library of just, like, bangers. So we were just, like, working off that and, like, really got the crowd going. So that was good. That was I was yeah, excited. That like, was I, the night. First DJ set down. Definitely a success, I would say. Yeah. There was just, like, great energy that night. Very, very, um, very fun. All the next Feb Club event, though. Um, <laughs> shoot your shot by Spectrum. Yeah, this, this uh, tomorrow. Wow, it's tomorrow. Damn. Someone asked me today, hey, Steph, um, what does shoot your shot mean? And it obviously it wasn't a person of color. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But um, I was like, yeah, basically, you know, it's like your last chance to like let someone know that you're interested in that you're interested in them, so shoot your shot, really. Um, She's like, oh, word, makes sense. Um, So, yeah, that's tomorrow, a Blarney 
Um, uh, people were wiling out on the Facebook event. So on the Facebook event, <laughs> there's like this little Google form um, that's like, oh, um, send a little Valentine's Day note to someone secretly, anonymously, right. and we'll post it or right. something like that. Yeah. Um, so I posted like maybe a fifth of a... The ones that I've received because people were doing the absolute most, like, very inappropriate, <laughs> very just, like, sexual. It's like, can we just, like, keep it PG-13? It's supposed to be a little Valentine's like, I know. Okay, and then I was very confused because um, the shout-out I received was <laughs> Taylor, what was it? Taylor asking, um, if that's your trick, then why is she texting me? Like, referring to Young M.A. song. Ooh. Um, and these are supposed to be love notes, not, like, low-key shade. What? Um, that was very funny. That was very funny. Yeah, people are being weird, but at the end of the day, just hit us up if you want DJs to if turn you want, your shit If out. you want us to, like, turn the party up, like, you know, who to call? Um. Yeah, we've also been listening to a lot of Sid the Kid lately. Her album yeah. just dropped. Her album, I really, really like it. Although she's a little savage. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, we had this realization where we're listening to her album and like her Sid. For people who don't know, is like the lead singer of the band The Internet. Um, she had this like solo album that dropped this past week, um, and it's very like dreamy ethereal like really beautiful R&B she has sound. a beautiful voice like it's so heavenly yeah but uh, all the lyrics are just like crazy it's like, mean like she doesn't respect any of the girls that she hooks up right with. so you're listening and then you're like oh this sounds really good and then you're like oh damn like that was really shady of her to say <laughs> um yeah like she's not just a little angelic mystery um, but yeah. we're very excited about this episode today because we have been meet. We've been talking about this topic for a while. Yeah, maybe um, since like freshman year. <laughs> yeah. So today we're gonna talk about like um, the experiences of people of color in like predominantly white Greek life scenes, yeah, um, and, and just like yeah, get yeah. this conversation rolling. It's because me and Tay aren't in any. Uh, or <laughs> Tay will tell her story, but currently we're not in any sororities or anything, and we just want to hear a perspective of others. Yeah. Okay. So let's bring them through. We have two guests today. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Uh, really excited to have them on the show this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So my name is Naya Wilkins. I'm a senior in Kappa Alpha Theta sorority, and I'm from Chicago. Hi, uh, my name is Carter Lewis. I'm a senior as well. Um, I'm from New York, and I'm in St. Anthony Hall, which is also known as Delta Psi. Hmm, I cool. Um, <laughs> did you guys think that you were going to join Greek Life when you first started out here? So <laughs> when I first started at Penn, I... Greek life was nowhere on my radar. I was coming in as an athlete. I was on the rowing team. Plus, I was, like, playing water polo as well. And my whole life, my teams have always been my family. So I just assumed that's what was going to happen. Um, I think, for me, what changed was when I got to Penn. I come from a very, like, diverse background. Went to a really diverse high school and was always comfortable around other kids. And for the first time in my life... For the first time in my life, I found that I wasn't really that close with the girls on the rowing team who were primarily white, and my closest friends were all black, and that had never really happened before. And so 
I was kind of questioning my racial identity on campus and mm. felt that by joining a... I, I didn't really look at it as, like, a white sorority. I looked at it mm-hmm. as not a black sorority. It wasn't until I joined, I think, that I really started to look at it as a white sorority. Mm-hmm. And especially at Theta, the reputation of being incredibly diverse, incredibly international, that was super, super attractive to me. But definitely when I first stepped on campus, I had no idea <laughs> what any of these things were. Like, I don't think anyone really did. I at least I didn't. disagree. Like... And I, I disagree because I think coming from the Midwest, I was already, like, at a disadvantage with the Ivy League kind of social circles, especially mm-hmm. at Penn. And mm-hmm. when I joined my sorority and I would be going through girls' Instagrams, I'd be like, whoa, like, these girls have known each other since they were three years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> little, their big brothers were in some fraternity. Their big sisters were in it. They had this tradition, and that was something that I had never had, like, I have two older brothers who also went to Ivy League schools, but they're athletes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I knew. I Greek life was irrelevant to me. Right. Hmm. What about you, Carter? Um, I have a slightly different sort of approach, because, or I guess I had when I was coming into Penn as a freshman. So I guess ever since, like, I guess ever since I was uh, in middle school and high school, really, um, the the school I went to back home was all boys. Um, it was small. It was 50 kids a grade, and mm-hmm. I went there, you know, kindergarten, you know, throughout senior year, and I, I had always been very used to a very close group of guys, um, and having been in the same school for 13 years, um, I'm not going to say, like, you don't see color, because obviously you see color, mm-hmm. but when you grow up from, you know, from age 5 to 18, it be, it's less of a factor uh, in terms of how you form your friend group, I think. Um, when, you know, you're, you're in kindergarten with them and it's different for people who switch schools or they move, um, geographically. I think for me personally, um, I made a lot of my friends, it's kind of like Naya said, through sports. Um, now while I wasn't recruited to play a sport here, having that kind of cohesive unit of, of guys was important to me when I got to Penn because the social scene here seemed very, interesting and different and I thought if I had a group um it couldn't be a sports team because I wasn't on one Mm -hmm. if I had a group I could hang out with all the time it would sort of bring me back to what it was like at a a small school um also you know lacrosse was my my main sport growing up uh since I was a kid and it's pretty obvious that lacrosse is a very white sport like (laughs) not you won't you won't find that many um you know really motivated like good black lacrosse players simply because it's not the sport that I guess a lot of people grow up exposed playing, to. Yeah. yeah and my dad had played it uh, growing up and sort of introduced it to me when I was a kid and so that predisposed me to an environment of people who I would later realize that are all not all but a lot of them were white kids mm-hmm. and I didn't really think about it in the time but sort of reflecting back on it it, it became quite clear that just we shared a lot of similar interests. We followed the same sports teams and that kind of carried into college when I met a lot of the guys who, you know, either I used to play against or whatever. Um, and I just kind of felt comfortable with them. So that's sort of how I ended up joining the fraternity that I'm in. Um, and, but to your original question, you know, did I think I was going to join a fraternity? I'd say probably yes, just because I knew that I 
we kind of wanted to, like, another group of guys to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, like, being a person of color in these, like, predominantly white spaces has, like, um, affected your experience there? Or, like, in what ways do you think um, it has affected that? I know that's, like, a big question, but yeah. I or guess like, just, like... <laughs> or, like, Carter, you mentioned you, like, just felt comfortable in these, like, predominantly white spaces. Like, do you, do you guys feel uncomfortable in predominantly black spaces, too? So, I think, personally... Like I said, I went to a high school that was literally designed to be 25% black, 25% Asian, 25% Hispanic, 25% white. So I was really comfortable with everyone. Like In any space. Yeah, in any space. Like I'm a black girl from the south side of Chicago who's a Latin American Latino studies major, but my best friend is a Polish dude, and I kick it on the southwest side with all Mexicans pretty much every time I go home. So that was a... And vibe out to your country music. And vibe out to country music. I love country music. And has been all all over the world. (laughs) And I think that, so I never felt uncomfortable being in black spaces or any type of spaces. But I will say that I probably felt more comfortable in black spaces than I did in white spaces. Um, When you first got here? Or now? Prior to Penn. Okay. Um, Like, And I think that I was very self-conscious about where I fit in socioeconomically. And because playing water polo, sure, at the high school level, it's very diverse. But once I got onto the national team, that's all, like, there's one black girl now that everybody knows. And I played with her. Like, she's a really good friend of mine. And we recognized that we were the only two black girls in the sport. And I know that for sure there were girls that would call me the N-word in the pool. There were girls that would say, oh, it's not fair that Naya's getting an advantage. Like, she clearly stands out. And my coaches would have to be like, it's not just because she's black. And I know girls would touch my hair and I wouldn't say anything. Mm. And even though that was, like, water polo was supposed to be my comfortable, safe space. And it wasn't until I came to Penn, I joined Theta, I didn't feel comfortable really around the black kids I felt like I was too white for the black kids here Mm. because the black kids at Penn had either gone to primarily white schools or they'd gone to primarily black schools and I wasn't I hadn't done either of those things Mm -hmm. and coming to Theta I there were things that I was very very uncomfortable with Mm. and I kind of had to make a decision whether I was going to let those things, whether I was going to be uncomfortable with those things and just continue to be uncomfortable, whether I was going to be so uncomfortable that I dropped out, or whether I was going to be so uncomfortable that I created organizations within my organization to change it. Because Mm -hmm. I saw that this wasn't, while the original purpose of Theta wasn't built for me, it was built for everyone. Mm -hmm. So it should be a safe space for everyone, not just rich white girls from New York and L.A. Mm word yeah no i i definitely agree with that um you you know you asked since i feel comfortable in certain white spaces do i feel uncomfortable in certain black spaces um i really think your comfort level is all sort of it's personal it's Mm -hmm. sort of how you feel emotionally mentally and to be honest with you like i i'll i never feel uncomfortable in black spaces and i think that's mainly a part of how i was raised Mm -hmm. um you know my both my parents are black. Um, my dad is from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, my mom is from Queens. I think, you know, I have a lot of extended family who are still in the South. And, you know, family reunions, mm-hmm. relatives, like any kind of gathering. It, if, if anything else, it just reminds you that no matter what, 
you know, what you're doing at school or your, your friend group is at the time, like, mm-hmm. you know what your roots are. So for me, you know, in, in a fraternity like, like St. A's where, you know, I see a ton of white faces every day, it doesn't make me any less comfortable when I go home or when I'm playing pickup basketball or when I'm you know, at Potruck and, you know, it's only black is on the court. Because at the end of the day, I think that all black people, you know, social status or, or like socioeconomic status or, or whatnot have a shared um, just community, community. and you don't have to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so long as I'm able to maintain sight of that, uh, regardless of where I am, like I'm, I'm going into investment banking next year and I know mm-hmm. there's not going to be a ton of mm-hmm. black folks um, where I'm working, but it doesn't really matter to me because I know at the end of the day, I feel comfortable and I think feel, people feel comfortable around me. And I think, you know, I have my, my uh, grandfather was a Tuskegee Airman. My grandmother was a, uh, a Kappa. Um, so I ha- I mean, it's in mm-hmm. my family and I'm definitely made aware of it. Mm-hmm. If you go to my house, my, my, uh, my dad keeps all these really cool, actually old African-American history books everywhere. So I, th- I think as long as you're aware um, and not oblivious, mm-hmm. um, the other thing is, I mean, this is a little bit um, off topic, but um, when when you think about, you know, do I feel uncomfortable in the white fraternity? I actually really enjoy moments sometimes when I'm one of the only people of color in that house hmm. because certain certain um, it's almost like you're fly on the wall sometimes because you get to you get to see what those conversations are like. When when people assume when white people assume that there are no people of color in the room and you mm. gotta get to hear mm. and you and and you get to how they like really talk right or something. well right and not to say that they're evil people but like <laughs> especially with the like political climate like right. you know people have certain conversations that they probably wouldn't have with a room full of black people so mm. I I'm actually fascinated to hear sometimes what those conversations are like and then I get to you know voice my opinion mm. and the thing I love about my fraternity is. Everyone respects each other's opinion, so um, I've really enjoyed that. That's cool. Yeah, I um, mean, it's interesting because I think um, I think you and I are in a like similar boat, having grown up with like a lot of white people in like these really small schools, mm-hmm. like see people like really three dimensionally kind of thing. Um, but I also know that like not everyone can do that, mm-hmm. um, and so it's like kind of I don't want to say like a gift, but like. It's just like a element or like a skill at times. Um, but do you ever notice like other people of color coming into your spaces being like uncomfortable or like ways that um, your organization like could be working to make like other people on campus feel comfortable like engaging with it or like what kind of efforts like have there been or do you think there could be um, to sort of like improve the way like the organization engages with like diversity of the school you know now you mentioned kind of like working within theta to kind of make it more diverse and inclusive so do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so i was pretty much the last black girl to join theta before this year so my sophomore year no black girls joined theta my junior year no black girls joined theta and that was really disappointing to me because i joined Theta specifically because I felt that it really was more diverse than some of the other organizations. And, like, when you walk into that room during Rush and there's a million conversations going on and you don't see a single person that looks like you, that's really intimidating. 
And Mm -hmm. I personally did feel like they were keeping me in the back room during Rush, especially my sophomore and junior year, because I would get into fights with people. And I think that being in a sorority is really different than being in a fraternity, that there are a lot more people with a lot more opinions. And I think that just girls are naturally catty and lots Mm -hmm. of different things lots, lots of different things go into being a sorority like we're, we're simply not as close so yeah. when someone that Cause you're because you're saying bigger. like there's right because more yeah people in like the my class. my pledge class is bigger than his entire fraternity so mm. when you when something happens and someone that you don't really talk to comes up to you and is like yo that was wrong you're gonna feel defensive and you're not really gonna want to listen and i think that that happened a lot sophomore year especially after the fight out uh christmas card incident Luckily, at that time, my big, big was still on campus, and she is black, and I felt like I had some support, but over the years, I lost that support, and it made me really, really angry, and I have tried really hard in my life to not be the angry black woman. I hate that stereotype, but I looked around one day, and I was like, hey, I am angry, I am black, and I am a woman. And it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Some of the um, Latina girls in the sorority, they worked with me to create a diversity committee that specifically was like, hey, we recognize that there's a problem. We recognize that there are problems not only within Theta, but on campus in general. And I now tons of girls know me in Theta that did not know me before because I would stand up pretty much every week at Chapter and be like, yo, guys, shit's whack. And they would be like, oh, my God, I had no idea. And In that voice. <laughs> pretty much. But, like, I mean, I, I saw for the first time people that I thought had would never respect me and would never listen to me almost on the verge of tears. When I was talking about the group me incident, I know that girls were reaching out to me and being like, hey, like, diversity committee is awesome. Like, I've had girls come up to me and be like, everything that you're doing is so great and this year we made a really big push to put more people of color on the floor and it sucks that we had to like count and literally go in and be like okay so there's two people in the left room and two people in the right room but there's no freshmen that are of color in the left room so let's just put all four Mm. in the right room and like that shouldn't be a thing but it was and I think that it'll get better but you know, looking at our new pledge class, they are much more diverse. So hey, got to do what you got to do, <laughs> yeah. man. That's what's up. I definitely mm-hmm. was also in that boat of, like, not sure who I really, like, would feel comfortable talking to in this rush room right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like, that's really cool. Yeah, and I mean, the the even greater thing is that after Theta created their diversity committee, the Panhellenic Council saw all the success that we had, and they created a VP of diversity. Because, I saw that in the DP today. Yeah, a VP of diversity. I said DP. But because they saw how important it is, and it wasn't just me that wanted to speak up. It was girls in Chidel that that noticed something, and it was girls in Cayo. And to me, from the outsider's perspective, I thought that those were the diverse sororities. Hmm. And even they saw problems and saw things that they wanted to change. So it, it, I learned a lot during the process, especially from the international girls. I thought that they loved everyone and that they were, like, I'm, I'm ignorantly so. I thought they were all the same. And they were like, you realize that all the international girls are from Colombia and Brazil? Like, what about Peru? What about Peru? Um, <laughs> so it's it's been a cool process this year. Word. Um, 
I know you mentioned like when your big was on campus, you felt comfortable talking to her about things that like were going on in the black community and the group meet incident. So do you guys feel like you have that like connection or like like network within your fraternity or sorority that you can like go to someone if some things affecting specifically the black community? Because I know like when the group meet incident happened, um, like it was just like crazy on campus. A lot of people were reaching out to me and you mentioned like people reaching out to you too. So if you just like want to talk a little bit about that and like. Yeah. So the group me incident, I think was a huge turning point for me and for the diversity committee because again, being more or less like there's another girl that's mixed in my fledge class. Um, she's not very involved. And so pretty much feeling like the only black girl in a sorority of almost 200 girls I didn't know who to turn to. Mm -hmm. I had my black friends on campus who I felt like they were very upset at any white person and they wanted to fight. And I had my white friends who some of them were like, I don't see what the big deal is. I don't know why you're getting upset. Mm -hmm. And I I really didn't know who to turn to, who to talk to. And I it was one of those times where I kind of had to put my own feelings aside and step up and talk to my sorority. I sent out an email. I spoke a chapter and I said, and I also sat down with, I have a really close uh, black guy friend in Sikai. I sat down with him and we talked about how we could change and the unique position that people of color in primarily white institutions have to, to inform them, uh, to inform white people about the way that we're feeling and, it it was a it was a trying time. Like I my parents always raised me that when you don't understand something, you should go to the source. And so I went to my friend who is a white dude from Texas immediately after the incident happened and I sat in his room and I talked about what happened and I was confused and I didn't understand how somebody could think do this and I didn't understand how people could think this way and I didn't know how I was supposed to go back into my sorority and pretend like everything was fine mm-hmm. and then I just felt like things were getting even worse because we're sitting in his fraternity house and these freshmen or their pledges, so their sophomore boys, didn't know that I was in the house and pretty much everybody else in the house was white. And I hear fighting going on outside. And it's during the Black Lives Matter, like, march was going down Locust. And I'm like, yo, like, there's a fight going on downstairs. Like, what's going on? So he runs downstairs and there's three pledges that are laughing and giggling and... They're like, oh, like, I don't know why all these niggas just, like, started yelling at us. Like, they're just trying to start a fight. Like, I don't know why they're mad. And it was absurd to me that there were people on campus that didn't know what was going on. After sitting in this in the town hall for four hours, that people mm. just had no clue. And that in a space that I feel super comfortable. I feel very comfortable in almost every fraternity house I've ever walked into. Like Carter said, like, I've never... I just, why wouldn't I feel comfortable there? And for the first time, I felt very, very, very uncomfortable But I also knew that if I wasn't there, if I wasn't learning and I wasn't educating people, then no one ever would. Mm. Damn. What was your experience like at that time? Um, I mean, I think my gut reaction was the same as almost everybody's. Just some mixture of being angry and disappointed and sad. Um, But the thing that I get... I think for me, that lasted a very short time. Um, I think at Penn, especially since we're, you know, in a relatively liberal city that is Philadelphia, um, we often forget that 
there are people all over this country who think very, very, very differently than the way we do and think very, obviously, as it's been shown, think very lowly of people that look like we do. Um, and I think that I've always known that people like that existed. Um, and when I saw that that grouping was created, um, you know, I was pissed. I made a, I, <laughs> I made a stupid Facebook status saying, like, posting my address where I live here um, and telling that person, like, come see me because – I mean, I was I was heated, but <laughs> but, but at the end catch of the day, yeah, seriously, um, but the, but at the end of the day, like it's the same thing with what's going on with in, in, in politics right now. Like, there are a ton of people who who just are incredibly prejudiced, are incredibly backwards-minded, and you know, given given the opportunity, they're gonna let the, those words out. And so when that happened, you know, I unlike. Unlike uh, Naya, I, I wasn't. I, I didn't feel the need to like go talk to someone about what happened. Although I completely understand why a lot of people did. Um, I I was just like you know, it almost reminded me of. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this SNL skit uh, right after Trump got elected, uh, and you have a group of of white uh, people watching it unravel, and then you have Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock in the background, and you know the white people are like oh my god like. Americans could really vote for this guy, and mm-hmm. and Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Americans are not the like happy, friendly people you thought. So it's that sentiment that kind of I was thinking about um, in the days after that incident happened. But the um, one thing that came out of that incident that I actually really enjoyed was the the black pen um, group me with like mm-hmm. hundreds of kids in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I don't really see my, find myself posting in it er, that much mm-hmm. or really ever only <laughs> co- over only a couple of times, um, I, I enjoyed that. And I, I smile looking at it all the time, just knowing that there is a space <laughs> where people who feel the need to connect or just say hi, or mm-hmm. just, you know, post a funny meme, um, in a space where they're comfortable. I, I really am happy that that exists. I think I personally don't, um, feel the need to contribute that much to that mm-hmm. uh but that's just me um but i but i really like that that exists i i will say back to the thing um back to the diversity efforts uh in in the sororities and fraternities um i really don't like like quotas um and i i don't think you do either i think you were explaining that um i think that they're forced and often j- completely miss the point of what they're actually trying to do um but but when this black pen uh group me was created um and a representative from morgan stanley hr reached out to me um and said hey carter uh we're looking for uh qualified applicants for next summer would you mind um you know sending this out to anyone who's interested my first thought was let me share this with the black pen group me not because they need x amount of black kids mm-hmm. this is just an opportunity that i know otherwise a lot of them would probably miss out on mm-hmm. so it's things like that that i i really um aim to to do uh, to the extent that i can mm-hmm. um because i think that's i think that's more um effective or it can be more effective than saying all right guys you know for this year's pledge class we need to have 10 percent black kids um because then you end up just like all right who which is what who's the closest black kid we can get Mm. like does he fit does he fit in who cares like is he comfortable here who cares he looks the part let's get him Mm. and and i've trust me i've seen that kind of discussion Mm. begin and i just shut it down because 
I mean, between me and... Because it's like, what is looks the part, man? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's like, come on. Um, So, yeah, I I think, you know, back to your original question, when that incident happened, I think it shook everybody Mm -hmm. up um, for a while. But I think, like I said, the lasting effects is that that group me, I check it all the time. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it can be helpful. I mean, (laughs) things like posting about, like, different events going on, like... Um, definitely mm-hmm. feels like the community is closer yeah um, through that group yeah so yeah that, that would I think that's kind of my th- my stance on that and that's what's up um, I just remembered this like funny status you posted oh, yeah. a while back yeah, yeah, where yeah, you yeah. were like don't confuse me with um, yeah. this other black kid in <laughs> yeah, my fternity yeah. was that were you like actually heated or was that just um, like it was the culmination joke? of a number of nights where I was actually heated but when I made the status it was more of like a I'm not heated anymore, but like I'm just gonna put this on the internet because I'm tired of this. Mm. Um, so there's a a junior in my fraternity. His name is Marcus Cole. He's from Austin, Texas. He's about three inches taller than me, like three shades darker than me, <laughs> um, and used to have dreads, uh, mm. but he cut them off. And in, and there was a span of like two weeks where we were all out. And Marcus is one of my close friends, so we mm. go out a lot together. And we were at like different, we were at like smokes and we were at like another fraternity. And I swear, like, it would be like, yo, Marcus. And I would be in the room and Marcus would be somewhere else. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> and then Marcus would be like, yo, someone <laughs> thinks I'm Carter. And like, our first instinct was always to get like mad, like, that's racist. Like, <laughs> you, you don't know which black kid is which. Right. And then, and then I realized, like, okay, maybe it's not like intentional, like racism. It's just like you are too like careless to even look at me and like figure out who I am before mm. you actually call my name. And so it just kept happening. And um, having been one of few black people in the spaces that I've been in for a long time, it's mm-hmm. not it's not new at this point, unfortunately. Um, but I knew that if I put a, a status, it would kind of mix that like, yeah, he's kind of serious with like a bit of humor. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that was my attempt at doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually funny because when I posted that, I got all these texts like, oh my God, are you okay? What happened? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, nah, it's straight. Like, <laughs> like, don't worry about me. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that was right. funny. Yeah. Well, gotta keep them, gotta keep them on the toes, yeah, you know? Seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming on this, like, episode. Yeah, we this really appreciate it. This is definitely a cool combo. Um, and like, I'm sure, like, if you guys see Naya or Carter around, like, Talk to him. Just me up. chitty chat. Keep it <laughs> yeah. going. Keep it going. Follow um, me on Snapchat, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but Social yeah. media plug. Yeah. Thanks for coming through, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. This was In The Cut, hosted by me, Stephanie Hodges, and Taylor Hosking. We were edited and produced by Joyce Varma. This podcast was brought to you by The Daily Pennsylvanian. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode.